Welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tipper and Kim. Today we're going to be talking about espionage. Is that spying? Spying, spying espionage, all things spying and espionage. Yeah, this we're going to ramble all over the place you on this bet one. We are. And there's excited. a lot to talk about, like specific instances or how they do it, or mm-hmm. cool gadgets or all sorts of stuff. So this started because a few episodes ago when we were talking about China, we were talking about the company Huawei and how the U.S. government said, "Uh uh-uh, you got to get out of here. You can't be operational in the United States. And then you have TikTok. And TikTok, they're like, no, no, this gives you an opportunity to spy on all of our people. So I thought we should dive into the world of spying. So my first thing that I dove in and I found out is the United States estimates and the government that there are at least 100,000 foreign spies inside the United States at all times. And that they're, that's their best estimate and they think that they are from 60 to 80 different countries. So <laughs> I don't that know where so they got odd. this number. <laughs> and, and I really do wonder if they just start making stuff up at some point but i'm pretty sure that when you get into it none of those are like james bond like there's not a hundred thousand james bond spies i was actually running around. incredibly disappointed to realize that none of these these people are are just normal people who are just trying to trick people because i was researching and i had like the dun 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 or whatever it is in my head and i was like <laughs> I'm like got my fingers on the keyboard and and then you just find out that it's just some fat guy from China who's convincing this other fat guy from America that he needs trade secrets. (laughs) You're like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little interesting. And and looking at some of the major cases, they're kind of like disappointing too because a lot of the ones that I saw was basically somebody just was like, you know what? I'm going to be a spy. Uh-huh. And then they just sort of go to the, you know, embassy and like, hey, would, would you give me some money for this? I'm like, sure. And that's how, it, that's how it starts. When you go down this hole and you just start with Google, and as we know, Google is part of the tinfoil hat problem. <laughs> but it. we'll get to that later. But if you're, if you're Googling this and you're like, hey, hold on, like the all of the spies that pop up are American people who have been caught selling stuff to other countries. It's not like someone came in and hung from the ceiling and stole it themselves. No, no. Well, that guy never doesn't get caught, you know, like those guys. And it was his own country, wasn't it? (laughs) So that's tricky. Maybe all the cool stuff's happening in their own country. But I was like, oh, oh, I didn't realize it's because they tricked everybody. I mean... Yeah, because like you watch the movies and you got, uh, you know, Ethan Hunt hanging down from Mm -hmm. the rafters, going down, stealing stuff. And then you go read the articles about these guys and they're like, yeah, I just walked out the front door with with it in a bag. 007, I can't tell you how many things were blown up when he was around. How many fast cars, absolutely almost no car chases in the history of actual espionage. Almost none. You could say that. I, there is a story of uh, that that was movie-like. Well, then you better tell me I'm going to tell you this one first. Are it's you... just a short one. Okay. So this one was uh, in Iran. They're nuclear scientists. 
and the nuclear scientists are driving them down the road, and all of a sudden this motorcycle comes speeding by, and the no. motorcycle goes, whoo, gets next to the van, pops an explosive on the door, and drives away and blows the vehicle up, just like in a movie. And that was here in America? No, that was in Iran. Was it the American driving the motorcycle? Uh, the S- you, You'd guess that it's either an American or an Israeli. I have a feeling that it was somebody going, dun, 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 yeah. da, da, They dun. probably got that playing in their helmet. Click. <laughs> 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 not, not to make light of the tragedy that occurred. But, yeah, like, that is crazy. Like, and how susceptible we are to that is true. Yeah, and there's some other, like, kind of cool stories. Like, there was one back in the 1950s. Yes. It's called the Hollow Coin. Uh-huh. You can read about it on Probably several places, but the FBI puts it on their uh, site. Yeah, it's on on the FBI site, and that's where I got my information from it, too. And so in 1953, this boy is out delivering papers. It's time to collect, you know, money for the papers. So he goes to somebody, says, you know, here for my money. They go, oh, I don't have money. I I don't have change. I got a dollar. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'll go to the neighbors, and I'll get change. So he takes a dollar, goes to the neighbors, gets some change, takes you know his money i don't i don't know if he just took a nickel i don't know what he took but one of the things was a nickel so he takes this nickel and he's walking down the street and playing with the nickel and it feels like well the nickel falls and it breaks open Mm -hmm. and inside the nickel is a piece of paper with a bunch of numbers on it so there's this coded message on the nickel well the boy you know he's probably like really excited about it tells friends, whatever, one of the people was like the daughter of a detective. He hears about it, goes, uh, contacts like the FBI, but they pull the kid in, they go talk, you know, hey, where'd you get that nickel? He takes him to the people, the people that gave him the nickel are like, I got no idea what you're talking about. I don't, you know, I'm not a spy. I don't know where that nickel came from. For years, kind of nothing happens. And in 1957, uh, this KGB colonel, lieutenant colonel, decides that he wants to defect. So he'd been in mm-hmm. the U.S. and he's about ready to get shipped back to Moscow and he doesn't want to go. So he goes to the FBI and says, hey, I'll give you whatever information you know, I'd like to. So he gives him information and he starts talking about like this dead drop location where he had worked. And so... They go there, and apparently they had cemented over this place. They break it open, and there's a hollow bolt that that they had, and it has, you know, stuff in it. And so that kind of, um, they, they start talking to him, and he mentions, yeah, we used to use hollow coins, and he produces, like, a Finnish coin that he used. And, and they said, oh, that looks like the the nickel. So they ask him about it, and, and he knew about the code system. So they were able to decipher the message, and ultimately he led them to... Um, Do you have his name? Uh, I have the name of the guy that they caught. The guy that they caught was Rudolph Abel. Uh, I don't have the guy's name. You say here, Kirk. oh, he was exchanged for the YouTube pilot. Yeah, uh, Francis Powers. Francis Powers, so... Yeah, in 1962. This was a movie. They made a movie with Tom Hanks about this. Really? It's called Bridge of Spies. And it is made because when they do this exchange, they are legit on a bridge. 
and they ha- you have the Soviets on one side, you have the Americans on the other, and they walk the two across, and they go to their other sides. Uh-huh. See, that is interesting, because <laughs> then you go, it's just like the movies. It is just like the movies, though I bet it was a little bit more tense in real life, because who knows what anybody's going to do, but I thought that that was a really interesting story. Yeah. Be- I thought that one was was a pretty good story. And there's some other good ones, too, that I uh, like. But um, did you have one? I'll tell one. Okay. I'll tell one of mine. So this was actually just a situation that occurred in the United States. And I'd never heard of it. And so it was kind of fascinating to learn about it. But the Chinese people wanted to put a Chinese garden in Washington, D.C. area for the Chinese people and the, and the people who, you know, have immigrated to America and just to have them have a place. So they buy this plot of land, and it's about two miles away from the mall, which is where the White House is and the legislative buildings and things like that. And it is just so happens to be the highest point in the area. <laughs> and they, so... What they figured is because the Chinese people said, you know what, we're going to build this. It's going to be a pagoda, and then there's going to be a walkway around it. But all of our materials are going to come in um, diplomatic pouches. (laughs) So diplomatic (laughs) pouches means that nobody can go through them and check and see what they are. They're just going to be shipped over without customs going through any of it. So they're like, okay, you've got this perfect triangulation space for all of our communications that are going on in the area and we will have no idea what is in there and part of me is like you should have just let them build it and then gone in and taken the stuff out because then you would had a free park like that would have been great but they didn't and this was in 2017 like oh no I'm sorry this wasn't this is so but China has been buying up land near military and government facilities and in 2017 this is where that number comes from um people started getting suspicious and so you'll hear in some of the congressional meetings sometimes china's buying up all the farmland well china has a ton of farmland they're not buying it all up but they're they definitely have a ton but they're more concerned about the fact that they're buying land near military and government facilities because um they have found in the past and with Huawei, so I'm going to jump right into that because it connects. Huawei was banned from the United States. Do you know what they did? I do know what they did. Did you know that they just copied what they did from us? Us? No. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I do know what they did. Okay, maybe that's how we knew they were doing it. I'm pretty sure, actually. <laughs> we're like, wait a minute. You just. So if you really get into it, I'm going to let you tell the story. I'll get uh, to first. my part and then you tell me your part. But okay. but there was this. So the big issue is Huawei put a ton of telecommunications towers in the Midwest. And it just so happened to be that they were by military bases and they were by this what we call the nuclear field of America. Have you heard of this term? So I... I don't know that term, but I assume it just means that by where we have all our we have silos at and stuff. least one hundred nuclear silos in this stretch of land between Montana and Colorado. 
So there's in so in Wyoming and all those places we have like this yeah, stretch the of Dakotas, land. Dakotas, other places. Yeah, where a hundred and they what they did is they put them there. In I guess I knew about this from the Cold War stuff, but they put them there during the Cold War because they wanted if somebody tried to attack our nuclear system that they would do it in an area with not very much population. So that was the whole point. So what <laughs> here's there's surveillance images that they've released to the public where there is a Huawei tower about, I don't know, 10, 20 acres from a silo. And so they're like, <clears throat> if the place sends a message to have that silo shoot off its nuclear weapon, it can be either intercepted or deadened by this tower. So just having that tower be the one that's in charge is a, a risk to national security. Well, the, the other thing that you can potentially do, and it depends on how you build the system, is you can send the message oh. yourself. Oh, <laughs> So you yes. can be the one who's like, hey, it's me, uh, the president here, trust me, uh, send off uh, the nukes. And they'd but, be like, you know, how would oh, they yeah. know that that's How would not... they know? But not only that, the system updates every year. So they do have active communication with the company in China receiving updates every year. But here is a conspiracy theory. The tinfoil hat theory on this one is that when the balloon flew over this area, it was sending information to those towers. To those towers. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the theory. That's why it came over Montana and dipped down. It's because it was sending information to change so, whatever programming for those towers. So it wouldn't their... get caught because they would catch it if they knew it was coming from the Chinese place. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but absolutely everything that goes over a computer can be tracked. You can't really dissolve any of that information. Yeah, so what you do is you use encryption so that nobody knows what right. you're sending. But if you are Huawei and you encrypt something and send it over to those towers, then all of a sudden everyone's like, hey, why the fart did you send an encrypted message to those towers? Yep. And you're in trouble. But if you send that message from a balloon that is passing over, you're fine. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, you get into a whole thing about how that works because every, if you do like a radio signal, it goes everywhere. And so anybody can hear that radio signal. Yeah. But you can do more direct communications. And it makes me wonder if they would do something like this where essentially it's more like a laser communication. That is exactly. So you line I up found the, some. the two things, and then they can talk, and nobody who is outside of that direct, you know, laser beam, we'll call it, can hear. There is a piece of spy equipment that is a, it was never, quote, unquote, never used. The America made it up, and it was a dragonfly yeah. that really flew. And the way that they made it fly is they put a laser on it. And the laser on that dragonfly would give it the energy it needed to fly. And then it would go and it would have a listening device on it. And then it would transfer that information. So it is definitely, and this was yeah. in the 50s. And, and it was too light to use, they said. Like, it, it if there's even the like wind. five miles an hour wind, <laughs> like it just can't handle it. But it was pretty crazy because it mm -hmm. looks... I don't know if the it's wings move. Decent. I don't know any of that sort of yeah, thing. But just looking at does. the picture, 
it looks like a dragonfly. And it can fly for up to two miles. And it, it was pretty impressive, but they did say... They did say, you can take whatever they say with That's a grain right. of salt, and we'll get into some <laughs> of that, too. But they said that they never used it. And I kind of yes. believe it, because I really do think it would be hard I bet it worked well in inside when they developed it. And then when I think they took it outside, they're like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Inside. And everyone would notice the dragonfly inside. Yeah. So it kind of, it, there's a very good chance it was just not something that was effective. But so it is, in my mind, since that was... 70 years ago they probably do have the kind of technology that could communicate or you know i i i i could i could see the possibility of it however of course i don't know yeah it'd be really interesting to see what they have but they haven't done anything to get rid of these towers they put in in 2017 and congress gave 1.9 billion dollars to remove Huawei and ZTE cellular technology from America, but they haven't removed any of it because it actually needs five billion, not two billion. So they're waiting for more money. And I'm like, can't you just like replace a couple? Like that's what I would think. <laughs> like number one, take one down, take it apart, get whatever. Yeah, you can look find at it. Uh-huh. Whatever's in the tower. <laughs> I thought that was weird. And another part of me is like, I wonder if they have. Like I wonder I'm if they have, sure. and they're actually like, actually, we can, we can track them through this. Like this will be great. It, like, it wouldn't surprise me because a lot of this stuff is there's a big deception game going on. Yes, and and I got two stories in a row that are kind of related to that that are World War One and then World War Two related, and so in World War One there's something called the Zimmerman Telegraph, and what had happened is in uh, this was in 1917. The U.S. hadn't joined uh, the war yet. Uh, you know, Britain and Germany are at war. Britain has cut Germans or, or Germany's uh, underwater cable lines to like the U.S. Mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. Americas, and but but Germany is using other people's cable lines, and so they were using the U.S. cable lines. You know, because we're not at war with them or anything, and so they were using the U.S. cable lines to send messages, and they send a message to the their Mexican embassy. And in that message, the they they basically send a message saying make an offer to Mexico saying that if they join in the war against, you know, the US that w- they can have essentially three territories that they lost in the Mexican-American War. So <laughs> Texas, Arizona, and it might have been New Mexico but another Yeah, state. that would make sense. They're like, yeah, you you join in the war, you know, bring, you know, start attacking the U.S., you'll get those territories at the end. Well, Britain had already decoded or broken their codes, so they know this message. They want the U.S. to see this message because they want the U.S. to join in. But they don't want the Germans to know that they broke their codes. So what they do is they, um, it, it, this is going to the Mexican embassy, it's going over the U.S., lines but it's encrypted so nobody knows what it says so what they encoded it's been decoded but it is encoded Mm -hmm. so nobody but britain and you know germany knows what it says so they hire or they pay somebody at the uh, like mexican embassy to give them a copy of the coded message and then they fake like they broke into the embassy down in mexico 
and fake like they stole the message. And so then they're like, hey, we stole this message. Here's the <laughs> message. And Germany is like, yeah, that's we sent that message. That's our message because they, they thought they got caught. So <laughs> they did. They, they they did get caught, but they didn't understand that the code had been broken. And they actually told like the Mexican embassy guy that, that's down there, the German guy at the their embassy in Mexico, like you need to find how this happened. And, and he's saying it didn't happen. Like I'm positive they didn't steal it or whatever, but they spent a bunch of time trying to figure out how they stole this message. So we had an Ethan Hunt. And he was pretend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that was like one level of deception. So then the next month after that message kind of came out, the U.S. is at war. That is, that actually is kind of hilarious. It's kind of hilarious. Now, here's a second story that's somewhat <laughs> similar. In October 27th, 1941. Okay. Uh, FDR makes a speech to the entire world. And he says, I remember this speech. I have in my possession a secret map made in Germany by Hitler's government by the planners of the New World Order. It is a map of South America and a part of Central America as Hitler proposes to reorganize it. We're in possession of another document made in Germany by Hitler's government. It is a detailed plan, which for obvious reasons the Nazis did not wish and do not wish to publicize just yet, but which they are ready to impose a little later on a dominated world if Hitler wins. It is a plan to abolish all existing religions, Catholic, Protestant, Mohammedan, Hindu, Buddhist, and Jewish alike. Okay, this has to be terrifying because we know that China lies all the time. And knowing that we're like, <laughs> and, and so he's got these two documents. The documents are fake. I know. The documents were made by British intelligence. No. And... <gasps> The Britons tricked America? And they tricked America, <gasps> maybe. Because if you go, I like... Thought, I thought he there's was this, lying. There's this article that basically is saying... This is a quote from the article, which I don't know how much you can trust Express.co. <laughs> but I've heard this other Express. places, too, is that the U.S. just plays along. The yeah. U.S. knows that it's fake. Roosevelt wants to go to war, but the American people do not want to go to war. So he's trying something to convince them to go to war. So he gives this speech saying, hey, we got oh these gosh, documents, definitely whatever. definitely keep us out of the war these days. <laughs> and, and, and not only that, but uh, he also says, you know, oh, tomorrow everybody's going to deny that this is all true. And he plants that they're going to call it, you know, fake news. That's not a term he used. That's a current term. But fake like, news. They're going to call it fake news. <sighs> I listened to to Donald Trump say that this morning. And, and it is kind of funny because it was all fake. It was all fake news. It was designed <laughs> by this guy named Bill Stevenson, who at, in 1945, Churchill recommends that he gets knighted and nobody knows why until however many oh, years later word. when they're like, oh, this is the guy who put these fake Got documents America together. To send all of their people to the war. And what it also kinda was kind of interesting... <laughs> The U.S. didn't declare war on Germany. Germany declared yeah. war on the U.S. Yeah, after for, Pearl Harbor. For intolerable provocations and baseless allegations. And I think... Baseless? Like your note to the Mexicans? Well, that baseless? was World War One. Oh, that's but, true. World but War yeah. One. But that's it is kind of interesting that this is all, there's this big deception game 
going on. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this, this guy, Bill Stevenson, had a thousand people working for him during World War II as just, I, I don't know what else he did, but essentially his intelligence organization was just coming up with, in this case, you know, fake documents. He got forgers to come in to make it look real. Mm-hmm. It just a, and I used to not, I used to think that so much stuff was just a part of people's imaginations, right? I I had a general trust of things. And part of that was because I just felt like, why would you bother being so ridiculous and lying? (laughs) But as we study and as we research and go through these things, I think to myself now, oh, they're probably lying. Like, because they have, as governments all over the world, and when I say they, I mean every government, has lied over so many things. That it's so hard to believe anything anymore. It is. <laughs> it's just, I, I understand that guy that lives in his little shack up in the woods and he's like, got his, you know, afraid of everybody. That's right. Now, it's kind of interesting because, like, one of the things, there's this uh, former defector, this KGB defector named Yuri Bezmenov. Mm-hmm. And he's somewhat famous so this was in the 80s he defected and he gives this big long interview to somebody explaining how the kgb works and what you know what they do and what he was saying is so he says 85 percent of spy work is not espionage it is more propaganda so what he says it's you know a slow process which we call either ideological subversion, active measures, or psychological warfare. And in what he was saying was, uh, really they just go in and try and you know, kind of educate people you know, with false education, you know, sort of things. But he says, you know. Here's a quote, is what it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. And this has obviously been what's going on online when they talk about Russian interference and and Chinese interference in elections and in social situations. And America has done this to other countries. This is, yeah. they, they cause this discord. <laughs> and people then, when they are questioning, they cause their own disruptions. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, too, because there was a CIA document that uh, was talking, this was in the, the 70s, and they were saying that what they were doing, and this was, most, you know, at the time, this is Cold War time, is that they had nine covert action committees and they worked on three basic elements. Distribution, which they said, you know, this is a quote from the document, one of the most important concerns of the activities is the distribution of books and periodicals to the target countries. These include, among other items, the better writings of those dissidents or writers inside who seek moderation in their own country. So the U.S. is essentially out there uh, so the second Lifting one is up publication. People that have their same viewpoint. Yeah, they're they're publishing and distributing this information inside these countries that that otherwise they wouldn't be able to get 
And then their third thing was publicity, which was actually something they were doing in the West, as they're saying. And then the third thing we do is we publicize all the, you know, kind of atrocities or whatever, the human rights violations in the Soviet Union in East Europe, so that people here don't kind of fall under the, you know, spell or whatever. And that was they what they said that their covert activities were, were distribution, That's publication, and publicity. Deflating. <laughs> I know, like you're kind of waiting for the James Bond sort of thing. But yeah. That, and they did have that stuff. Yeah, they did. Like it the gadgets. It just wasn't condensed, yeah. Like oh, the, goodness, the gadgets. The gadgets are kind of cool. But even now, you can find a ton of spy gadgets just on Amazon. Like you. Well, can, it's a different world now. Like, yes. But you go back into the 70s and you got a cigarette pack that has a camera in it. That was pretty crazy technology at the time. I now, have a hilarious one before we get into some of the better ones. Oh, And I have a picture of it that I know only you can see, but I'm going to show it to you anyway. So one of the things that they came up with were the pigeon cameras. Yeah. Have you seen those? I saw the pigeon camera. <laughs> so you guys, there is this picture. There are three pigeons. And I encourage any of you to go just Google this and look it up yourself because it's hilarious. And they're standing <laughs> on like a barrel top or something or like a siding. And they have full on cameras strapped to their chest. These are like 1970s cameras. So no, these are, they're like 1717 cameras. <laughs> these are like decent sized cameras. It's probably a two inch square at the smallest. And I think like that one I would say might be two inches tall and two inches wide. But there's one that's like four inches tall. And that poor bird is probably like, why the fart did I hit this one? Because it's as... It's it's more than half the width of the bird. Because now they got like ridiculously small cameras yeah. that you can hide in. Well, wouldn't you put like a camera on the bird's back and have like the lens on the side so that they could at least have it on their back? These poor birds have this gigantic See, thing on their like, maybe chest. The, they, maybe the wings can't work. I don't know. It I have is no idea. So funny, but it is kind of funny. And they call them covert spy pigeons. Could you imagine being so stupid that one of them lands on the windowsill and you're like, don't know what's going on. Is that a, a box? I don't think that's a box. I think that that's just regular bird. <laughs> like, it, yeah. I just, I mean, I know I watched movies from long ago and they, they have like the microphone that sticks out of the flowers and, you know, maybe people didn't notice. But now everyone would be like, well, fart, do you have a stupid microphone stick? Well, shoot, nowadays <laughs> uh, the, mic or the camera would be so small you wouldn't even see it. Yeah, it's true. But back then, like, that's probably the best, you know, they were probably amazed, like, look how small. <laughs> look, how cool look at this. this look how small we made this camera. <laughs> but my favorite uh, gadget that I saw was called the dog poop transmitter. Because they were saying, like, nobody will just mess around with dog poop. So they would would put these uh, transmitters that had sensors so they could tell uh, if, if, if somebody was walking nearby or, or something like that. And they would just put these little dog poops out to, oh, <laughs> to catch gosh. intruders or to... Uh, so they had radio see... transmitters that would then, re- you know, transmit information. So some of them would do locations, oh but I don't know what else. I don't know what all... 
you know, the the uses for dog poop transmitters. I'm not a dog poop transmitter salesman, but we can do a lot of things with dog poop transmitters. Well, if you see some rando going around like a park, stepping on all the dog poops really hard and just crushing them, you know something big's going down and, and remove yourself. That's right. I'm not falling for this test, trick again. They're testing for it. Uh, well, there was another funny side story about this guy who worked at a pizza place. And he said any time that there was an increase in pizza deliveries to government buildings within 72 hours something huge would go down oh that's funny when you go to war when you do whatever when you have um big i don't know i can't think of it secret things going on there would be something big that would happen within 72 hours because these people (laughs) would be working the whole time (laughs) i wish i could remember the details but they caught a spy that way one time because they the, the the ordering pizza and they're like wait a minute and you know this pizza got delivered to this place at like 11 something and then so then they followed up on it and there was somebody um he was working for a university and just transmitting oh my you know, gosh. data out but they tracked him down from his pizza orders <laughs> They have some really crazy equipment, though, that really astonished me. Because there is a, there's a ton of stuff that they do, and and everything looks electronic now, so it doesn't matter if it looks electronic. But you've got cufflinks with USBs in them because the USBs are tiny now. You have uh, a charging cord that just looks like an Apple charging cord. It can pick up sound. It can transmit. It can do. It can download the data from whatever you stick it in and transmit it through this little cord. So it can look like you're doing something normal and you can be getting information out of the building just by sticking this little cord in and making it look like you're just, you know, charging your phone or something. So I saw um, that this wasn't part of the spy thing, but I saw this thing one time where somebody was demonstrating they had what they did was they left kind of a, a little like a USB charger thing at an airport. Yes, and they're waiting for as soon as somebody plugs in, they steal all their they, data. Yeah, they take all their data. This is actually a big thing. And on others, they're like, we can encrypt. You know, we can connect and encrypt uh, their. They have permanent drive. access to whatever you do. Because one of the things they call it bad USB, but with with like USB type connectors, there's nothing. You can't verify that it is what it says it is. And you look at something like a charger, and you think, oh, that's a charger. But the charger can basically tell the device that it's anything. I'm a keyboard. I'm a oh, yeah. anything. And the charger, if it still wants to, can still act as a charger while it's doing yeah. something else. So and, you will be not aware. You will be none the wiser. And I'm pretty sure that they use those sort of things. In fact, are you familiar with Stuxnet? Mm-mm. So Stuxnet was, this is kind of a cool story. And, and what's really unfortunate with some of these is a lot of these deserve their own yeah. thing. But Stuxnet is a big one that it was something that uh, the U.S. and Israel did together against Iran's nuclear program. And the way that it started was a USB drive that they just left somewhere. Yeah. 
and somebody picked it up and was like, oh, what's this? Let me see what's on this. And they plug it in, and it was designed to go out and it was designed to spread itself, and then it would run this command. And somebody found that their computer was infected, and they took it in, you know, to get looked at. Well, the, you know, one of the antivirus companies, uh, Kaspersky, kept looking into it, and they, they just kept tracking, like, what is this thing doing? And they found that it was kept looking for a very particular device and trying to no. send commands to this device. And they end up looking at, okay, what is this device? And it turns out it was like this, uh, um, this German, oh, I'm trying to remember the, what the term is, but it, it would essentially spin, you know, super fast to separate Particles? uranium. Oh, uranium. Yeah, so it was a centrifuge, mm -hmm. and but very specifically built for separating out the different uh, weights of uranium. To, it was trying to talk to this? It, Wait. It's basically saying, <laughs> hey, is, there, is this device, you know, are you connected to this device? Can I see this device? And it's trying to send it commands. And the command was to change how fast it spins. So that it messes up, so that they can't separate and get their the, the ingredients they need to make nuclear weapons. It messes up their ingredients, and so they had dropped this USB stick. It goes out and it it's just spreads automatically, like anywhere it can get to. It, it spreads and runs, and it that's crazy. It made it in there and ruined. It's basically set them back years <gasps> be, before they found out what was going on so now they only have half nuclear weapons right now <laughs> i i really wonder where they're at in their nuclear program you know but, when you li listen to it in a very condensed form this is crazy this is crazy but it also is not really all that condensed i mean you talk about the 100,000 people that are in the country and how they're all kind of doing something well you got 400,000 people to a million people outside of the country who are probably trying to in their best interest to still trade secrets and and influence weapons and i think what you most of it is trade secrets but i was trying to look in like what what are these people providing people like yeah so i looked into the, uh one of them his name was aldrich ames yeah. and he was a cia guy who started giving information to the soviets Mm -hmm. In the 1980s, he started, and he went for like something like 10 years But before he got caught. And it was kind of crazy because he literally was just walking out the front door with all these, you know, mm -hmm. secret messages in a bag. And nobody checked them. Nobody did anything. He would just walk out with these secret messages. So I was trying to, you know, like what was it that he was passing to him? And most of what he was passing seems to be identities of Soviets that the U.S. had turned. So that's actually, I think, what he worked <laughs> in. What, so his initial job was to help find people to recruit, mm -hmm. you know, from the Soviets. So he knew a lot of the people uh, of Soviets and stuff that were working for the CIA. And he turned in like a hundred different people. So in a way that it started was he walked into the the Soviet embassy slid like an envelope across, you know, like this is for this guy sort of thing. And it said that 
it had the name of like three people that the U.S. had, you know, was working with, and a request for fifty thousand dollars. And so then, like two days later, he comes back and they give him fifty thousand dollars. And then he's like, because he had gotten himself into financial trouble, that fifty thousand dollars got him out. And then he's like, I don't know why he kept going. But I, $50, but he kept going. He ended up, uh, I he- I've heard like many different amounts of what he ended up getting, but it, ultimately all of them were like less, you know, the total was less than like $5 million. So it ranged from like $1.8 million to like $5 million is Good what grief. he was receiving. But this is a while ago. I and mean, this was over money, 10 years. Yeah. And I, my guess is that the 4.6 that I saw was the inflation adjusted. Uh. But, it, it doesn't show most of what he transmitted. It really is the only thing that they say for sure is that, like he, he ratted out like a hundred operations and like thirty people that the U.S. was getting information from in USSR. Ten of those um. people got killed. Some of them ended up in like labor camps or whatever. But but yeah, he just would turn them in and. They even started suspecting him because all of a sudden he's like flashing money around and driving new cars. They put him under a polygraph and he passed it. But, yeah, they ended up doing this kind of stink. And the other cool thing about this is another thing that you've seen in movies is the old chalk mark on, you know, I'll put a a chalk mark on the mailbox if I want to meet with you. And that's what they did. Um, and they were like, this is the mailbox that he used to put, you know, he would put a horizontal chalk mark if he needed to meet. And so they, but they ended up kind of tracking him down and getting photos of him and the uh, Soviet, and not even together, because they would use dead drops, which is another thing that you see in the movies, where one guy goes and takes a package and drops it in the middle of, you know, nowhere, and they were saying some of these packages were things you had, you mentioned, you know, the hollow bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would put them in like soda cans and garbage, you know, old cigarette packs, whatever. And they would just put them in places and you would just go pick it up and you would drop your uh, item in a set location. And they were showing some of them, like, here's where he would go drop off his stuff. And So they actually, there's this guy named Robert Hansen, and he actually got, they started suspecting him of his spying issues because he was also a government person who was selling intelligence to the Soviet Union and then Russia, Um, but they're saying he kept doing dead drops over and over and over and over, and he's like, most people only do them like twice a year, and he's doing it, and that's actually one of the reasons he got caught is because they noticed he was doing a bunch of dead drops. But his story... He sure leaves a lot of soda cans in the park. It's bonkers. He's the weirdest guy. I can't wrap my head around what kind of personality he must have. So his story is a little crazy because it starts off with him taking videos of him and his wife in personal situations and giving them to his friends. And then he would go online at the beginning of, like, internet-y stuff, and he would write about all of these interactions with his wife, and he would use his real name 
and her real name. Okay, so it that alone, I mean, this man should know better than to use his own name, but he does. But then he's a huge church-going guy. And so he starts selling secrets to um, the Soviets and things and getting a lot of money for it. But then he ends up finding this prostitute or stripper or something that he really loves. And he spends a lot of time with her. And in that time he's with her, he's trying to convert her to his religion. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) What is this? But he would do all of these interactions with the Soviet Union under a pseudonym. He wouldn't use his own name. See, he learned. See, he learned. He was doing both at the same time. Maybe he's like, everyone will look over here and they won't see what's going on over uh, he's here. He's like, if I give the Soviets this name, <laughs> then they'll see all this stuff. And I don't, want them, I don't want them to see my... Yeah, and he made $1.4 million over 22 years. So your guy made way more than this guy did. But and can I just say, like, in, in a world <laughs> where, you know, like a... NFL player can make, you know, $20 million in a year sort of thing. Like making $1.4 million over 20 years selling out your country seems like you you got ripped off. Well, and this was quite a while ago. It was in the 80s. But it was. Well, he got caught in like 2000 or something. But yeah. Yeah, 2001. But it's like, hey, dum-dum. Like, what in the world? I. What's interesting (laughs) with him is that when he got caught, so. They set up an operation to catch him. They had 300 people looking into this guy. Wow. To, to catch this guy. And when they finally caught him, he was like, well, what took you so long? And I don't know, you know, if he just was su- super sloppy. I don't, I don't know what it was. Because he was doing the dead drops. That, yeah. Like, that's how they, they, got they got him. Uh-huh. So speaking of what took you so long, I have another guy. His name is Jack Barsky. Jack Barsky is a German guy, and he is from when there was an East and West Germany, and he's on the East German side. He gets recruited by the KGB while he's in college, and he eventually goes through all of his uh, tests of loyalty, and they send him to the United States. Well, Jack Barsky goes back every once in a while to Germany and gets married, has a kid. But here in America, so his his real name is something else and he uses that when he goes back, but here in America he gets the birth certificate of a Jack Philip Barsky who died when he was a kid and they gave it to I think his name is Albrecht Dietrich. And so they give it to him and so now he's Jack Barsky when he's in America. Well he gets married and he has a kid. And he's got a kid in Germany and a family. And he's got a kid in America. Well, his wife here apparently didn't speak German or anything. And so when he talked to his wife from there, he just talked to her because she doesn't, the wife here doesn't speak the language. Anyway, so he comes in and his first job was to get an American passport. So he walks in to go get an American passport and they keep asking him questions about his past. And so he leaves because he doesn't have anything to say because they didn't give him a good enough backstory to explain 
all of these questions. So he never gets a passport. And he ends up becoming a like a one of those cyclist delivery guys. And he's just roaming around the world being a cyclist delivery guy. This is before he's gotten married. He's he's just getting started. But then he gets a regular job. And then they he was supposed to get into the government and work his way up to the guy who works for the president, who is kind of the specialist on USSR and stuff like that. But he can't. He can't get in. He can hardly even get a job because so he's got a birth not certificate. They're hiring cyclists at that position right now. He doesn't have a social security card. So he goes in to get a social security card, and the lady's like, hey, you're 30. Like, how come you don't have a social security card? And he's like, why would I need one? My parents were farmers. And she's like, okay. So she goes and gets him a social security card. <laughs> oh, it's funny now, but it probably made sense back then. I think it makes total sense. <laughs> so... He is working, and he's getting secrets of whatever he can. He starts working, I think, at IBM and stealing their code and sending it to Russia, right? He's just he's just working at a job, and he's taking whatever he can and giving it to Russia. And he has this set time every week where he has to sit in front of the radio, and they just, they just put out numbers, four, six, seven, two, one, four, three, and he has to then spend the next few hours deciphering whatever code they've given him. But that's his time and that's his check-in. And that's how they communicated with him is over the radio with random numbers. Well, one time he's sitting out uh, somewhere and this guy walks up to him and in a Russian accent says, come in or you're dead. You're about to be found out. And so he's like, okay. And he says, there's a dead drop at this place or whatever I think the, the radio message said go to this spot for a dead drop and it will have everything you need to go home so he's at this point he just is supposed to pick up this stuff and go he's not supposed to return home he's not supposed to do anything he's just supposed to pick up his stuff and go and the, this is again this is in the 70s and 80s so he goes to the dead drop and there is nothing there and he's looking and he's looking and he's looking nothing there so he just goes home and then instead of saying hey send it again i didn't get it instead of letting them know he sends the ussr a letter and he says i got aids i can't come back i can only get the medical care that i need in the united states i can't go back well the ussr goes to his his wife there and says hey your husband died of aids she's horrified on several levels and her and her son now have a the dad who's dead right so he stays in america and the reason he stayed this is horrifying and adorable at the same time this is like my daughter here i just couldn't leave her and i thought your poor son <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i already left him <laughs> i already left him there's there's no good part of this but um so then he moves to Pennsylvania in, in the farmlands, and he starts working for some sort of tech company somewhere. I don't really know. And years later, the FBI gets somebody who says, hey, here's the list of people that we had that were in the area because they turned. And they see this name, and all they have is Barsky. They don't have anything else. They just have the name Barsky. So they find him. And the FBI agent, who's, uh, I think it was FBI, could have been CIA, 
he would go walk through the farmlands with cameras and with binoculars to pretend he was a birder. Like, and he'd have his pigeon out there uh, <laughs> right. take pictures. <laughs> Camera pigeon. <laughs> but he took the pictures and he's like, the, what I was looking for, I was like, seeing if he liked his kids. Because if he liked his kids, he wouldn't be a flight risk. Now, he doesn't know he left his whole other family <laughs> because he likes his kids. Because now he's got two. But um, they buy the house next door. The government buys the house next door and continues to spy on him. And then one day they walk up to him. They tap him on the shoulder and they are like, you need to come with us. And he goes, what took you so long? <laughs> and <laughs> so the what took you so long seems to be a thing. But get this, because this is an extra layer of crazy to the story. They take him in, they interview him, and they send him home. Because they had, he'd already broken up with the USSR. And he hadn't been doing anything. And my thought is they also surveilled him for a really yeah. long time. But he's like, no, they think I'm dead. And I think they verified his story that, that they thought, they he, was thought he was dead. Huh? And but, so there he is. Maybe still alive today. The interview I saw was in 2015. So maybe not. But as of 2015, he was just living in Pennsylvania. Just an ex-KGB agent. Well, if you watch the interview, I feel like maybe the Russians know by now. Well, the Russians, yes. <laughs> he was, but he was in Germany giving, going through and like, I know it's not Russia, but he's like saying, here's where they recruited me. That's where I lived. This is where my family lived. But his daughter, who finds out about this in chunks, she finds out her dad's an ex-KGB agent. She does not find out she has a brother for more years because the dad didn't want to admit that. Finds out she has a brother. She emails him. And he says, yeah, I want to see you, but I don't want to see him. So He's like, no, my dad's dead. He had AIDS. <laughs> but they meet up, and they are still happily connected as brother and sister. And then finally he let the dad in, and they're like best pals now. The, the son and the dad, and I love that, actually, even though it's a terrible story. I love that they're... They're good buddies, and they look like each other, and it's it's cute. In all their pictures, they just look really happy to be with each other. See, that's probably the nicest spy story that's out there. <laughs> Isn't it? But it's still crazy. It's just funny to think how many people just come in and just are living in those maybe more than 100,000 people living their lives the other thing and i I wish i would have looked this up i'm curious like how many intelligence agents the u.s has i don't think they keep us apprised of i don't think so and not only that but i know that they use third-party companies and whatever to hide a lot of it but one of the last things i wanted to talk about is chinese spying because we had talked about tiktok And there was this really interesting article on Al Jazeera. And Al Jazeera tends to be an an anti-American, anti-China, anti-everybody else because they're their own thing, you know. And so it was talking about how um, America doesn't want TikTok. But then they talked about how America has permission to view anybody who is a foreigner who uses any company's like software from the United States, they have permission th- 
through the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act to, without a warrant, spy on any foreigner's email, phone information, or online communications. That includes Google, that includes Meta, Amazon, and Microsoft. They don't even need any kind of additional permission, but if you are foreign and you are in the United States, they can. Oh, it gets better than that. Oh, yeah, it does. Because <laughs> if you talked, you know, like, so th- then what they do is whoever these people talk to can be put, oh, put yeah. on that same list as we don't need a warrant to spy on people who have talked to, to this foreign mm-hmm. person. And I have a friend, and I'm not going to tell you his, his connection, who is from China, and let's just say he has some connections. So, I, the, I bet everyone's listening to this. <laughs> and, and it's really interesting, too, because that was one of the things in, in the, uh, like, Edward Snowden revelation sort of thing that they're talking about. The other thing that they would do is um, they would go to companies like Verizon and say, you have to give us all the information of, you know, Whenever anybody makes a phone call, we want to know who they're calling, how long they were calling, uh, and we would capture, and they call it like metadata, so that we can start putting these things together to see who talks to who and for how long and what they're Mm -hmm. saying. And they also, in that same thing, and this got leaked, is there's the documents that you cannot tell anybody that Mm -hmm. you do any of this. Like, you're not allowed to say... That you're, and, and the same things have happened with emails. Every, if you want to be a, like an email service provider in the U.S., you have to give the the government access to the emails that go through. And and, it, and it's really interesting because like we we will say stuff about China. Like every company in China is potentially controlled by the, and it, like it's not really that different Mm-mm. here. Like with the same. Same sort of things are essentially happening here. Well, and the opposite. So we want to ban TikTok because of the potential for yeah. China. China has banned Google and Bing and Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and Netflix and DuckDuckGo and Wikipedia. They've banned those because of the rules that the United States have. So that's one of the reasons the United States is like, hey, we can get all this information. We don't want them to get all that information. Yeah, it is kind of amusing because one of the things that I think with like the TikTok thing is they're not necessarily concerned about, you know, their citizens' privacy. They're concerned that China's getting the information and not them. Because, you know, Google, I I don't even know who all really participates. I know Microsoft was one. And what's interesting is they They put out all these documents saying... You know, hey, these companies are doing this, and then they go talk to the companies, and all the companies deny it. Like, absolutely not. We would yeah. never, ever. Well, because we value our privacy here in America, and there isn't any. Yeah, and some of this stuff, too, you know, one of the things that they always talk about is this idea of, like, security through obscurity. It's like yes. there's 300 and something million people. They're not listening to all our phone calls. Cause Tell your light flashes, much. and then they're like, boop, and they well, can get all of your past stuff, Not too. only that, but. The other thing is, if you can go look at, um, here's what the intelligence community is working on right now. They have a, a similar to DARPA. It's called, uh, I don't know if they call it YARPA, but it's I-A-R-P-A. And they've got a YARPA website that good. shows what they're working on. 
and most of what they're working on IARPA. Yeah, IARPA.gov. And they most of the stuff they're working on seems to be using AI to comb through data. And how fast that must happen. And and so then and, they and don't how have often, to how long they have been doing this. Yeah. That they have the beta version that we all get access to. They must have been doing this for a long time. And, and it really is, uh, you know, like one of the things that they're working on sounds kind of crazy to me. It's called Haystack is what they call it. And and it's just one of the ones that I looked into because some of the stuff was kind of cool. Like there was a gadget that they call the, they're looking to, you know, have somebody make what they call a little horned owl. And it's just a, a air drone that you can't hear. Yeah, because you cannot hear an owl flying. And and so then all the drones right mm-hmm. now are pretty noisy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they've that's changed how people the way the, the, I call them wings, <laughs> how the blades move. Yeah. And by changing the way the blades moved, it made things so much more quiet. And so then they go out and ask companies, hey, whoever can make this gets X amount of dollars. Well, oh, and a- by the way, they have a laser system. That will shoot down these drones. That will shoot down drones. <laughs> so that's why you need them to be quiet. Because yeah. they were saying, like, you know, like, you can't be covert with them right now because people can just detect the sound. Oh, and yeah. You can hear the tiny it, ones. It, it's too noisy to be covert. But one of the things they were looking into, they called it Haystack. And the idea is to watch how everybody behaves and then look for anomalies. So watch how, you know, like, hey, this guy normally doesn't drive here. And then that would get flagged as an anomaly. And then they put it out, and it's really kind of interesting because you can go read these companies. Um, every company had to put in, like, a, uh, almost like a proposal doc sort of thing. You know, hey, pick us because. And there were, like, 16 companies that are, like, trying to win this contract more than that because there were 16 that had pages submitted but they were on this other column they were showing here's our top eight performers and only one of those top eight performers was on that list so there's i don't know how many people really apply for this but the idea is to just use gps road sensors population statistics and then just watch to see who does anything that's bananas. It is bananas. I... And, and I don't know. You don't know. This is all developmental. Because in my head, I just think, unless you're looking for a very specific person, this will be useless. Because somebody's going to go camping. And somebody's, you know, like, you're going to have so many. But you might be able to pick people on your list or whatever. Like, when this guy goes. In a way, flagging. though, they already have this, but without the flags. So if you have yourself in a situation where you flag yourself to a point, they can go back through and they can find almost all of this stuff on you already due to the fact that you carry your phone around and due to the fact that you might uh, use your computer and you might, (laughs) you, and they have access to so much stuff that it's, it's kind of like that slippery slope, but it's like, oh, it should terrify me. It should have terrified me 15 years ago. And that's one of the things that I kind of think, like, there's no real stopping it now. Like, there's no, the the benefits for them are, are going to be too high. Like, even you saying, like, hey, privacy matters, that's important. Their big thing is, like, well, 
yeah. you're going to be anonymous here. Like, this doesn't... Lost in... Just, just like the yellow pages where you had all of your information yeah. in the white pages, I mean. But I was... One of the reasons I wanted to do this, too, is because I'd watched a news story on China. And it was talking about how it had the AI... And they would kind of scan every single person that walked down the street. Yeah. And they could tell how long they'd been there and they could tell who they were and they all had their assigned number. And and that's how you, you would use facial recognition software to get inside a building and, and all of all of those things. And and I I just thought, Whoa, that's too much. And then I and then I listened today about how um Matt Gates and I don't think this happened today. I just listened to it today. Matt Gates was talking about how ring doorbells have been. You can spy on them it very easily, so people at the company can go and look at anything on any of your security cameras, see anything, check on anything, then copy anything and give it to anybody. And so it's becoming like I have cameras in my house. Because of um, some escapee children that I have. Where... See, you're going to want some of this software. I like, I got the, some <laughs> weird behavior going on. Uh, Let me go see. Somebody's not following their I normal use it routine. Because the particular camera I have will make my phone vibrate if there is movement. So I turn on the camera at nighttime to see if this little person is leaving their room. And when they leave their room, my phone goes. <laughs> See, you already got this. They already have you know it. what they're doing. You got your own espionage thing going on right here. Here's what you do: you get a fake uh, dog poop and you put it in there. It'll detect the uh, motion. Send out a signal. See, and you're just not using the fake dog. Poop. I know. You can hide the I, what camera was I and fake thinking? dog poop if it gets caught. I don't caught. even need to. She looks at that camera and she turns around and goes back to bed because she knows that, it catches That's the it. elf on the shelf. Is, <laughs> they're like, oh, the dog poop doesn't work indoors. Like, people are... <laughs> they're like, it doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> need some fart spray on it just to make it real. <laughs> but yeah, they and the, some of the stuff that they do is potentially kind of cool that they go through and use AI to watch to see if anybody, if they can detect, like, uh, new buildings being built. So that, like, if they're looking for, you know, missile bases in Cuba, they've got it all automated now. Oh, sure. Where they can automatically, because there's so much world to look at Uh that now they just say, all right, And especially with BRICS, now we got this big old group that's threatening more. Not that BRICS is threatening more, but... They're feeling confident, so China and Russia and North Korea, good gracious, they are having, they're just announced that they're building weapons for Russia. And I just think, oh, that's like getting the crazy uncle to be like, hey, this guy in my neighborhood's being mean to me. Why don't you come here? <laughs> like, that crazy uncle going to be causing some trouble. He could be. <laughs> But uh, I would love to be able to know what we had on North Korea or if it's just like not that big of a deal where they're like, actually, they only do weapons and the rest of them is really stupid. I it would just be it would be really fun to, to know. Yeah. And somebody knows. Somebody knows. I don't know. Lots of people know. Just lots of people pretend they don't. 
But yeah, that was a fun topic, looking into some of this stuff. Some of these things are really interesting to look into. Agreed. Did you have anything else? I don't. That All was right. good. I Thanks so much, it. everybody. See ya. Bye.